So, um, I, Carol and I went off in our caravan uh, last weekend and uh, found ourselves in the Costa del Little Hampton. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Bruce loves water. And uh, so we were able to get down on the beach and for, for Bruce to have an absolute whale of a time. Whale. Beach whale. That's, that's good, isn't it? Oh, crap. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, the thing is, we were down at Littlehampton, we were supporting a friend of ours who was doing the River Arran swim. They swim um, several miles, two and a half miles down, and it's like a race, and both of our boys had done it in the past, and our friend was doing it, so we were there to be able to support uh, them. And Bruce was most perplexed by all of these people who were coming up the ramp by the uh, uh, lifeboat station, coming up out of the water. Who are all these? What are these people doing? Um, and he wanted to go and be with them. So we were there on holiday, and uh, the Ephesians series started, and Malcolm started you off last week. So I just said to Malcolm, um, Ephesians, which is where our life groups have been going, could you just start the journey? And then I come back and I find that he's done the whole of chapter one. Um, I was going to go through it like verse by verse and uh, hopefully finish chapter one sometime in October, but Malcolm just did the whole lot last week. So you're chapter one out, you're sorted. So we're starting chapter two this week. And, uh, and I don't know how far I'm going to get actually because I'm thinking to myself this so much in it. So uh, Ephesians is um, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is in Turkey. You may have had this from uh, Malcolm last week. So Turkey over there and uh, Antioch is, is um, Paul's base and you can see, I don't know if you, there's a little orange line where he went across and connected with the people in Ephesus and he's writing to encourage the saints. And where I catch up with the story of, in this letter is Paul reminding the followers of Christ in Ephesus of who they were, who they now are, and the promise that God is giving them for the future who they were, who they now are, and, and what is in store for them in the future. And there's a phrase that I kept finding many, many different writers pick up on, is the uh, phrase in verse 4 of chapter 2, which is the turnaround phrase. There's all this has happened and is not great, but God steps in. So we'll just pick up on those two words today and say, if it wasn't for God, where would we be? Well, let's just look at these um, verses. I'll read this to you. Words are up on the screen. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, who those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. 
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared and advanced for us to do. I have one of those smart watches that listens to what I say and then tries to give me an answer. And the answer it was just trying to give me was not correct. Our past, let's look about our past. You're dead. I, I don't know if you ever remember that, um, that film. Um, I think it's called Dead Men Walking or Dead Man Walking. It, it, and it was, it, it's the journey from the cell to the room of execution. And the guards who are walking with the inmate are heading to the point where that inmate's life is going to be lost. And therefore that journey is of a dead man who is walking. He's going to that place which is going to be the end of his life. But the thing about it that sort of resonates with the word of God is that according to the Apostle Paul, before we came into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus, you're dead. You're dead. This is what it says in uh, the first verse of Ephesians 2. It says that, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And for me, this, this was a real eye-opener. I don't know if you've ever had much interaction with dead things, but dead things have no life. They, they, dead things don't move. Dead things are there but just there by their presence, not that they can do anything. And when Paul starts to talk to the Ephesians, he says, you are, you were dead. You weren't in control. You had nothing to offer, nothing to bring. And as he goes on, he, he not only talks about the fact that you are dead he those goes on to say that because you are dead you are not in that place of influence from the life and the goodness that God has for you and what we've come to realize as uh, followers of Christ is that we come alive when Christ comes into our life Outside of Christ, we are dead. So Paul starts the journey and says, first of all, you're dead. There's nothing we can do. We're lifeless. It's one of those things that I try very hard to steer Bruce, our dog, away from. Dead stuff. 
And he finds dead stuff when we go out walking. I mean, he's got an amazing sense of smell, but I wish he would find nice things. He never brings me flowers. (laughs) But it's amazing the interesting dead things he likes to bring to me. Dead. That's where we were. The thing about it is, is Paul says, uh, it doesn't stop there. You think that that would be enough, that you're dead. But he goes on to say, actually, as well as being dead, you're deceived. You live in this world, uh, and you followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Therefore, in our deadness, we are influenced not by God and his goodness, but by the enemy and his evil. And we're deceived. There are many people that we know who do not follow Jesus who we recognize are being influenced by someone or something else. Deceived. Not only deceived, because it goes on, because he continues with that verse in, in the second verse there and talks about the fact that because we are dead, because we are being uh, deceived, we find ourselves acting in a way that's disobedient. And that's how he finishes that off. The spirit who's now working us in those who are disobedient. You're not following the ways of Christ and the transformation that he wants to bring into our lives. And because we don't follow the ways and we start to get involved in the stuff of, the scripture talks about it, of the world, we end up as defiled. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. So because you're in it, you're affected by it. It was a really interesting situation yesterday afternoon. There was a a moment on our driveway when I thought to myself, this would be the ideal time to change the power steering reservoir and the power steering fluid in my Land Rover. And I called for Ben because Ben was around and uh, he came out and I said, can you help me do this? Yeah, I'll do that with you. There's no problem at all. I had previously watched several YouTube videos of how to do it. So I'm acting now as an expert on my driveway, removing the power steering reservoir, which means that I have to take out the power steering fluid that's in the reservoir so that I can take the reservoir out and off and then replace it with a new one, then change the fluid out, bleeding it down and then filling it up with new stuff. The thing about it is, it doesn't matter how careful you are, you get it on you. Just being around the oil meant that I now have a shirt that now is a work shirt. There wasn't a work shirt before. Just being around the mess, you get defiled. And you think to yourself, I'm being careful. And this is how so many people act and react and live today. They think, I'm not influenced by what's going on around. You are. And the influence that is anti-Christ seeps in and creeps in. The stuff that's acceptable in the world that is not acceptable in the new life that Christ calls us to live. 
It's a bit like the whole um, dead leg. I don't know if you ever remember that. I, lads might remember it here. You know, it used to be one of those things. Girls never would do such a thing. But you keep hitting somebody in the same place over a period of time, then that area just goes numb. I can remember getting dead legged. I don't know what I did to get dead legged, but there was that point where you become numb. Ah, oh, hit me again, doesn't matter. Ah, oh, hit me again, doesn't matter. And that's what happens if we are defiled by the world, is that you, your sensitivity to the things of God just comes down. And Paul is saying this is what you were like. You were defiled. And then the, the last point is that he, he picks up on is the fact that we're now by our nature our objects of wrath. We're doomed. We can do nothing on our own. But we we can, can't get out of this ourselves. We are, just to put it really simply, stuffed. But the thing is, we come to verse 4. And verse 4 reminds us, because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive. We were dead and now we are alive. Why? Because God stepped in. We were receptive to the calling, the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives, and God drawing us to himself. And I think this is the point that I would like to make this morning. If you find yourself with family or friends who have no interest and almost extremely negative, antagonistic, or even angry towards anything of the Christian faith, you've, we've got to remember it's not them. It's the one who is at work in this world. Paul talks very clearly about the fact that there is one who is influencing. Verse 2, it said, uh, in this world in which we live, when we followed the ways of the world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We recognize without any shadow of a doubt that God is holy and he has sent his holy spirit to fill. But we also need to recognize that there is an unholy spirit. And the unholy spirit is Satan, the enemy, the one whose desire it is to influence and impact and to draw people away from an encounter with Christ. So when there's that indifference, when there's even that mocking and ridicule, when there's that undermining of the faith that you have, that you want to walk out in, don't think about this person who you know and you may love as being the source of this anti-sense towards your faith. Recognize that it is the enemy at work. He's an influencer. I said this to a lady out, um, I wasn't talking about her being like Satan, but I was chatting to a lady out whilst I was walking the dog the other day, and um, she had bought a certain toy for her dog, and she brought it out on the park, and 
Bruce got involved in playing with it as well, and so did uh, another couple of dogs. And then we're all going away thinking to ourselves, do you know what, we need to get one of those, because that was really good, and they really engaged with this toy and got involved in this. And I, and I just said to her, I said, oh, you, you've become one of those influencers. Bring your toy out, and suddenly we're all going to go and buy these toys. Have you got you know, shares in the company? And there's a lot of people these days who are influencers. It's their job to try and put across an image that you might be attracted to, and in being attracted to it, you might purchase the stuff that they have. They're influencers. Satan's desire is to influence you to walk in a way that's contrary to God's best. And when you've come to that place of recognizing the way that he works, when you've recognized as well as the voices of the enemy speaking to you, there is also the voice of God who's drawing you to himself. And you've responded to God and you've given your life to Christ. And now you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. It is your privilege and your joy to pray specifically that the enemy's voice would be silenced and the Holy Spirit's voice would be raised over those who are anti-everything to do with our faith. Don't get angry with the people. Let's get angry with the enemy. We recognize that God is at work Verse 4 just says, uh, but God, who is, who is rich in mercy, whose love is towards us, his passion and desire is that we would know him and walk with him in intimacy. But Paul reminds us in those previous verses that actually there is another person at work. So when we start praying for our family members, our neighbors, our friends, when we start praying that they would have uh, come to uh, an awareness of God's amazing love for them, that they would listen to God's call upon their life and give their lives to Christ, let's twist this around. Let's start praying against the influence of the enemy. Let's start praying that those things of the world that have been influential that have had an impact, that have drawn those ones that we love and that we know away from Christ, actually those flavors and those tastes would become sour. And then the impact that Satan is having in this world would decrease. There's an alleyway that I walk to to go to the park. And as I walk down the alleyway in the evenings, I've come to realize, I've actually come to realize what uh, the intensity um, of the, uh, the waft and the aroma of the smoking of cannabis. And uh, as you walk down this path, and I, you know, I walk down the path and uh, my son who starts detective training tomorrow, I, I took him down and, and made him aware. Of, and then he says, oh dad, I know that smell. Oh, all right. Here I am thinking I'm going to be an educator here. Oh, she smelled. Oh, Daddy said, oh, I smelled that for years. Influence. There's influence impacting people's lives, changing people's lives. 
And we want to turn that around. There are places that are uh, places of negative impact will be turned around to places of Christ encounter. I walk the alleyway, and when I walk the alleyway, I press in the blood of Christ. As I walk the alleyway, I say, Lord Jesus, would you rule and reign in the houses around here? I want to pray for each individual house and the occupants therein. I want to pray, Lord, that they would have an encounter with you, that they would find these things that are taking them away from the reality. Most people use recreational drugs to hide, to remove themselves from life as it is. And I want to pray, Lord, would you so influence these individuals that they might find wholeness in this world because they find wholeness in you. We stand against the influence of the enemy in Jesus' name. And start to pray prayers that stand against those things that are influencing those that you love, those that are members of your family, those who you work with, those who are in your neighborhood. Start to pray, recognizing that the enemy is at work. And we want to see the rule of Christ in our communities. The truth of the matter is, is exactly as these words are in verse 4. Because of God's great love for us, because of his rich mercy, we want to see people come alive, truly alive. And that life is the life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. The enemy only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's pretty good at it. But Jesus says, I've come life to give you life in all of its fullness. I'm going to leave it there. And challenge you to start to pray over those that you know and you love who have found themselves at this moment in time living counter to the ways of Christ. But not for any other reason than the fact that the enemy is really good at his job. He is the ultimate influencer. We're told in scripture that we are to resist the devil and he will flee. Now most people just assist the devil in everything that they do and the key is not to assist but to resist. So as we resist... As we seek to live our lives for the honor and for the glory of Christ, the one who loves us and who is rich in mercy, let's start to pray for those around us that the influence of the enemy will be dissipated and removed and that the voice of the God who loves would resound above every voice of the world that is influencing at this moment.